that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Perfect Organism Podcast. Uh, I am Peter, and this is... Jamie. And this is episode 12, I believe, of our podcast. It is indeed. It is indeed. today we're going to be taking a little uh, sidestep from our regular podcast. And today we're going to be talking about uh, one of the recent uh, cinema trends, and that is reboots and how that ties in with Alien 5. Absolutely. And there's a lot of reboots. Jurassic World, of course, is the one reboot that Peter and I have seen, um, which was awesome. Uh, I enjoyed it more than the first film, to to be quite honest. Uh, I thought it was... uh, I I have not had that much fun in a theater since I was a kid, to be honest. It was amazing. I haven't either, and uh, I I took my family out to go see it today, and it's... It's something that is just really magical is the easiest way I can put it. Um, It just, excuse me, it really brings me back to my childhood because, you know, I spent so many hours wearing out the VHS tapes of the original films with, you know, with my dad and with my mom, that sort of thing. And then just to come full circle with it and to get another great film and to just spend, you know, Father's Day with my family and watch it it's just it was it was great it was magic that's the best yeah. way i can describe it yeah i, I would agree i mean I, I think that uh when i sat down to the wall you know of course i knew a little bit about it um for sure um but not too much um but there was a sense of wonder and even though we've seen so many dinosaurs since the first jurassic park uh film there was i still had that sense of awe um and afraid for some of the characters even that you know that they had kind of they kind of replayed the two kids things but it really really worked um being in that park it felt so normal like in or you know in the in the park that they were in um just because we've all been to like six flags or theme parks um it was very it was very interesting uh i yeah i just i had a smile on my face the whole time i just the dynamics between characters the the, the pacing the beats the dialogue, it was just spot on, as if Spielberg did, did it himself. Uh, I, I am totally in agreement with you there. It's a dinosaur film done right. And it's just <clears throat> kind of sad to consider that we don't really have too many great dinosaur films. We don't. We don't. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a little bit skeptical, to be honest. Uh, when I first saw this some trailers, I was like, oh, look, dinosaurs. Go look at them. Oh, they escape. Run. And I was, I was, I was cynical. For sure, um, and uh, I but I was still going to go see it, and I will eat my humble pie because I was cynical for no reason, um, and it's kind of easy to be cynical on the internet. Um, also, too, I, I think that uh, the premise is the same; it's very much the same in terms of well, I mean, first Jurassic Park, the park wasn't open. This is, of course, the park is open. It's in the you know, it's they've done this in honor of John Hammond who founded Jurassic Park um, so there's a lot there but the premise in terms of dinosaurs escaping is very similar. It's essentially the same thing Yeah, but they do it in a way that's where you can tell a story that's similar but if you do it the right way, it's awesome Oh, I agree um, and it's kind of like how Star Wars is just basically all the same fantasy tales just retold Yeah, like uh, John Campbell's A Hero with a Thousand Faces Yeah, 
Uh, he always used to say that the best student he never had was George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. So, Although, I do know Lucas spoke to him uh, on several occasions um, about Star Wars, and if he got it right in terms of the mythology, the mythology of the films, and um, yeah, I think it was it Joseph Campbell, right? That's yes. His name? Yes. Um, he he had great things to say, and uh, for for sure, the first trilogy, the original trilogy of Star Wars, and I mean, he, and even elements of Jurassic World, um, they play right into that, you know. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, we have um, we have Terminator Genesis on the horizon, and I know that's essentially the elephant in the room for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. What are your first thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm a bit skeptical because I feel like it's just going to be, you know, one of those million dollar blockbusters for the summer that just offers visual entertainment and not thematic entertainment. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a Terminator film. It's got Arnold, so I'm probably going to go see it anyway. Um, I mean, it looks interesting, to say the least. And then there's, of course, um, James Cameron's stamp of approval, which he provided for the film. He says it is the true, in his mind, sequel, third sequel to the Terminator. Yeah. Third yeah. film. Which, to be honest, uh, that when I saw that video of James Cameron talking about... It, Terminator Genesis, I was like, fucking A, I'm going to see this film. <laughs> uh, because James Cameron, love him or hate him, the man is incredibly smart. Um, even though Avatar, the story of Avatar is essentially kind of the story of white man's guilt. Um, it's an it's an incredible film, and no one can dispute that. It's, it's a movie that no one has made before, uh, or ha has attempted to make before. And uh, he's really, really smart where he tells, again, a very similar story in a very fresh and new way. Um, and if James Cameron is saying this about Terminator Genesis, I'm going to see Terminator Genesis. I'm sure it'll be worth the $10 to go see it on the Saturday it comes out or whatever. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm really excited about it. Uh, you know, the stars of the film, um, I, you know, the casting of, uh, I can't remember her name, but she plays Mother of Dragons on uh, Game of Thrones. Um, oh, I see your name, but I can't say it. But uh, I, I love her in Game of Thrones. I think she's incredible. But the 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 clips I've seen of her in the trailers, I was like, she does not sell Sarah Connor to me. She does she's not. Just, she doesn't have the conviction behind her voice. She's too soft or something. There's something that I don't believe about it. And, of course, in the light, latest trailer, they've given so much of the film away. Yeah, and a lot of people are up in arms about it. You know, I see comments ranging from, oh, this is fucking stupid, to people saying, ah, oh, yeah, their marketing team should be fired. It, I mean, I think one of the, one of the more unpopular, uh, for better or for worse, trends at this time is to give away the plot in the trailer. Yeah. And Terminator Genesis seems to do that. And it's pretty disappointing, if we're being completely honest. Yes, it does, because if you find out, you know, obviously everybody has seen it well. I mean, I won't, I won't say what the trailer, just because there probably have been people that haven't seen it, but what gave it away was like, well, if this is the big MacGuffin, if this is the big, uh, if this is the big kind of I am your father reveal, then, I mean, why would, why would we go and see it? And, of course, it leads us back to Prometheus. They gave away, you know, the ship was rolling on the ground as, you know, Shaw and Vickers ran away from it. Um in a straight line as opposed to from side to side. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it, you're, you're right. I mean, there's 
there's a lot of trailers uh, have been giving it away, um, have been kind of giving the magic away way early, which is fascinating. I don't know why they're doing that. And maybe they're thinking we need to give, we need to show people what they're going to see or they won't come and see it, you know? Right. Um, and I was, as I was watching the trailers before Jurassic World today, um, there was the one for The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't know yes. if, if that preview played when you saw it. It didn't. Oh, yes, it did. It did. It's very interesting looking film. Yeah, I I mean, just the end of that, it's it's about the guy who in the 70s, I guess, walked between the World Trade Center's towers. Yep. And just the end the end of the trailer, like, oh, suspense, typical Robert Zemeckis move. You know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, it's a dude walking on a tightrope between two buildings. you you got <laughs> to make a movie about that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then, then, of course, there's the trailer for the martian which we both saw the extended preview for that yes yes uh i am so excited for that what is what is your take on the martian let's hear uh what you think so far um i am cautiously optimistic you know uh obviously since you know he's uh really scott has released two films since prometheus the the one with the other one with um exodus uh, no Exodus, Gods and Kings, and then one before it called the, not the professional, the counselor. Um, and it was also with, um, his name, who played David. Um, oh, um, Michael Fassbender? Michael David. Fassbender, yes. Um, and I, did, I saw the trailer for the counselor, and I'm like, pass. Um, and, but then I, was, I started seeing trailers for Exodus, Gods and Kings. And I was like, and I like biblical stories. I mean, if they're well done, I think that they're fascinating. Yeah, as long as they're not whitewashed. Yeah, yeah. And, but I, I didn't see it, and it's on Netflix, I think, and I, I, I can't get myself to see it, um, but I want I heard to. it was garbage. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure, like, visually it's amazing, and Sigourney Weaver's actually in it. She plays um, Ramsey's, Ramsey's? Yeah, I think she plays Ramsey's mother, so huh. she's kind of like the Queen Pearl, and I would see it just to see her, you know, um, and of course she's all dressed up like, you know, uh, an Egyptian queen, Um so it's inter- it would be interesting to see Sigourney Weaver again in a oh, Ridley wow. Scott I film. I didn't know she was in that. Yeah, yeah. she plays so uh, Tuya, the mother was... of Ramses II and Sethi the first wife. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm interested in seeing The Martian. Well, I'm more than interested in seeing The Martian. I love science fiction. So because I love science fiction, that gets me into the theater more than Ridley Scott gets me into the theater. Um, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Because it looks, I think Matt Damon signs on to things that he really believes in, and uh, I think he's gonna—he's not gonna um, make a film from a script that he doesn't believe in. Um, and if he believes in it, then I believe in it. Because I, I, he's made some good choices, except for a few. Um, uh, anyways, he—he's a really marketable actor. I like his work. He's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's one of those uh, everyman kind of guys, you know, like Tom Hanks. He can do anything, but. He can. He's got an edge to him, though. He's he's a bit of a George Clooney. Like, he doesn't just do everything. He does stuff that's really worthwhile, and he does stuff that has a statement. I mean, he was in... Uh, the Bourne the films were pretty good. Yeah, they were amazing. He was in Interstellar last year, which I think is one of the science fiction masterpieces of, of this generation, which a lot of people don't agree with, but I think over time they will. Um so, yeah, I'm really, really, really excited about The Martian. I think there was even a piece written about um, The Martian and how it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of be our hints to Prometheus, too, you know? Ooh, yeah, I'm excited. 
I was reading um, an article that that I shared on the page um, from IGN. They had an interview with uh, Matt Damon, and uh, in the interview, he was stating how he really likes the story, and he was really trying to get into the character of Mark Watney, who's the protagonist who gets left behind on Mars in The Martian. And he was just really reading into it and trying to portray, you know, a man ten miles up shit creek, essentially. Yeah. And one of the other key points in that interview was that he had not read the novel that the film is going to be based off of However, he knew that, um, like Interstellar, it was being written with science uh, in mind. You know, like real hard science in this screenplay and in this film. So he, he, uh, he was mentioning how it's not going to be just like a scientific circle jerk like some sci-fi films are. Um, but it's going to be more of a realistic thriller in that aspect. Yeah, uh, and it looks to be so. Uh, I saw. Did you see that first viral like clip they posted? And it looks like Mark Watney kind of doing a video talking to everybody. Did you watch that? I did not I, see that yet, unfortunately. Um, and that was interesting. And I, I you know, I watched it intently um, because you know it's viral marketing. And to be honest, the viral marketing for Prometheus was incredible. Oh, the TED it, talks and everything. Oh yeah, the TED talks. The the, the David introductions, the Shaw introductions, it was gripping stuff, and it reminded me of Old School Alien. It was very quiet. It had a, a, a very hollow feel. It was very mysterious. Um, and, you know, I, I wish the film had lived up to um, is the, ama- the equality of the... Of the uh, and the depth of the viral marketing. But, I mean, I, I still like the film anyways, but... Um, but yeah, so but and when I saw the uh, the viral marketing for The Martian, I was I was very I wasn't critical, but I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. I don't the 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 um, chemistry with the actors seems a little off. It seems a little fake. Didn't feel really seem authentic. But then when I saw the trailer, it, I was like, okay. This yeah, looks, that that's when it comes together good. for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, there's a lot of Prometheus visuals. Uh, or, right, like the people getting tossed around in the storm, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, and even the the um, the design of the the suits, the suits, and the interior of the, sh- the shuttle. It's very kind of that that kind of wide open space and all the doors. That's I think Ridley Scott just has a very specific aesthetic and he sticks with it, which is fine with me. I agree. Um, oh God, what was I going to say? Uh, whatever, <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for it. And you mentioned that you're carefully optimistic. I, I think with Ridley, that's kind of a constant. You just have to learn to be carefully optimistic with his films. Because yeah. as much as I consider him a master at just cinema in general, but specifically science fiction, you know, with you know the two, in my opinion, most important sci-fi films of all time, Blade Runner and Alien, under his belt, you'd think... Excuse me. Something you know more modern, like Prometheus, would only you know trump the greatness and go further. But that's not always the case, and that's why a lot of people seem to think he's losing his touch. But again, with due diligence and careful optimism, 
Um, I think The Martian provides a lot of excitement. It does. And, uh, you know, obviously we're talking a lot about reboots and, um, you know, there's a lot happening in Hollywood uh, or in the studio system. Um, oh, but before I get to that, um, to your point of him being a master, I, I, I think, I think, do I think that uh, Ridley Scott is a master? I don't know. I think he's made some masterpiece films, for sure. I think uh, films like Kingdom of Heaven, amazing. Black Hawk Down, incredible. Black Rain is also another one that he's not too well known for. Yeah, he is, which I haven't seen, um, just because it was a subject matter that just didn't interest me, but I've heard it was good. Um, but I, what I think happens is, um, and if you look at filmmakers, um, there's very few exceptions. Um, James Cameron's an exception because he's made exceptional films over and over in his career. I mean, Titanic, as much as people criticize it, and I'm one of the people who can and who ends up criticizing it, it's a fucking fantastic film. Um, from I mean, he just knew how to write it. He knew how to edit it. The effects were done well for the time. I mean, it was the biggest money maker of all time. And then he released Avatar. Um, but with Cameron or with um, Scott, it's a different story. I think it wasn't luck, but I think Ridley Scott was a very, very different man back then, and he was a more um, he was more changed to the his budget constraints and studio pressure. More and of a slave often, to the grind. Yeah, and oftentimes that produces some of the best art. And to be honest with you, from the uh, the interviews that I've seen with. Ridley Scott of late, the past 10 years-ish, uh, he seems a bit full of himself. Um, I would agree with you on that one. Um, and, I, you know, and that's, I'm not, that's not even a judgment. That's just what I see. And uh, I, I, think, uh, I think he needs to, much like most, you know, when you hear about these great films, like, for instance, Drive. I mean, the guy who made Drive, um, He's not this multi-millionaire mogul. I mean, he had to struggle to make that film, and he made this gorgeous piece of art. And then he made, after that, after Drive was really successful, I mean, it wasn't this huge moneymaker, but it had a lot of critical... Cult classic. Yeah. Um, like Blade then, Runner. Yeah, and then he had uh, more freedom to do another film. And he did um, Only God Forgets, which I haven't seen, which you've seen. Uh, and it people were like, what the is this? I mean, in in cons, in the con film festival, people got up and left the film. People booed it. Well, uh, much, much like I was, I was, I was telling you earlier, um, off the book. I I mean, I got about halfway through it without the subtitles, and there was just a huge disconnect for me because it it wasn't a primarily English language film, and just the first half hour, you really struggle. It's it's really a slow burn, and people keep telling me, oh, come on, you need to give it a chance, you need to give it a chance. But then everybody else seems to be saying that Drive was a million times better, so I think I might just stick with that. You know, some people are one-trick ponies, one-hit wonders, whatever you want to call it. You know, they make one great film, and then the rest are... Yeah, yeah, or they're just, they have hints of, you know, of... um of greatness, but they just fall short. And it's oftentimes it's the same thing that happens. And I think it's, it's the curse of, there's a song called that Sinead O'Connor, or I think it's an album title or no, it's a song title, whatever. Sinead O'Connor says, uh, the success has made a failure of our home. And I think what happens is 
Um, you have all these filmmakers and musicians, and they're working for 10, 15 years to try and find success. But they're usually working on one film or one album to try and get it out and get it seen. And they finally do it, and they finally get a claim, and everyone loves it. And then they follow it up, and people are like, what happened? Yeah, it's, Where- it's, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've listened to Rage Against the Machine. but I have not. I'm familiar with them, but... They're a politically charged, to put it lightly, uh, uh, metal band from the 90s. And just when their debut album came out, um, it was just so seminal. And it really just, you know, speaks volumes even today. And then, you know, a couple years later when they came out with their follow-up, it's just like, what the hell is this? You know, it's like some things are really hard acts to follow. And especially as an artist myself, and I'm sure you can agree, Sometimes we just do great things, and then it's hard to achieve an equivalent amount of greatness once again, and in a totally new sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and also, I, what doesn't make it e- what doesn't make it easy on these artists and filmmakers? So stick to filmmakers, I guess. Um, is the fact that they have all these this audience that they you know they've created an audience, they've created a community, they've created a fan base, and they're waiting with bated breath on what's next. And uh, more, so many of us, like for me, myself, with The Dark Crystal, Jim Henson's masterpiece, which he's called his masterpiece film, um, or like or Ridley Scott with Alien, uh, these things, these pieces of art ends up changing people emotionally um, and artistically, and we're moved by it. And so then we end up following these people and kind of placing them on these pedestals, which I don't think is a terrible thing. And so these people have a lot to live up to, and so they have to. Then they're then they're like, oh my god, I have to deliver on this next film. You know, I mean. So at that point, they're really not making. They're not. They're really not expressing themselves. They're really making yeah. something for other people. Yeah. And that's that's not what art's about. I don't think. I mean, I'm sure if I told Michelangelo or Da Vinci that, they'd kick my ass. But. Yeah. But. Uh, but uh, it's a hard. It's it's hard. I think I can't imagine the pressure. I mean. Even myself, I mean, I released a documentary last year, and I'm working on another one. But I'm doing it. I mean, I, I'm not famous at all. Um, and I, 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 this next documentary that I'm working on, I am excited about. But it's I'm not doing it because anybody said, "What's your next project, Amy?" I just decided I want to do something that I, I really enjoy, and I decided on a. But then, but if I had like hundreds of thousands of people saying, "Oh my God, what are you doing next?" I would be like, oh, shit. Um, I don't know what I'm doing next, you know? Um, so I think probably... Uh, but again, so, you know, to take this all back to kind of where we're going with this, which is eventually talking about... Alien uh, 5. Reboots, sequels, and Alien 5, and Prometheus 2. Um, and we discussed this in private before, but or in private messages, but the... Uh, well, let's say Alien... Blomkamp's Alien has a very, very tough hill to climb. Very tough hill to climb. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a lot that they have to get right, that Blumkamp has to get right. And as Ridley Scott is producer and Fox is the studio, I mean, they cannot mess this up. And, you know, I, I seeing what James Cameron had to say for uh, uh, Terminator Genesis, um, that he kind of really got behind this. It's like, hey, this is the rightful third film to my you know, the last film that I made in the Terminator series, that's what has to happen with Alien uh, Alien 5 or whatever. Like, 
James Cameron's going to have to come in and say, I mean, in order, I, I mean, he could say that and it could still be awful for sure. Um, but it's going to, it's a feat. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine the pressure that they're under. I mean, his stress level has to be comparable with like Barack Obama's at this point, and even in, <laughs> even in pre-production. But just, just to consider briefly that he not only has to live up to his own standards as an artist and filmmaker, but he not only has to finish another alien film with Ripley's story, you know, continuing the legacy that Ridley Scott and James Cameron and David Fincher set forth before, but he's got to he's got to do the fans a favor too. And yeah. that is going to be tough. It is going to be tough, and he's also coming off the... I don't know what film is releasing first, to be honest. I know, I guess, Prometheus is shooting next year, um, but from what Blumkamp had said, I know we've discussed this before, this was a few months back now, that after the, um, you know, while he was doing the, uh, the kind of the rounds for Chappie, he said, hey, we're probably going to go into pre-production for this Alien film next week. Um, I, so I have that, no doubt they're in pre-production would, already. Yeah, if not, if not... I would imagine they're probably going to start production this fall. Um, and then Prometheus 2 will start production next year, next summer. Um, so I'm thinking Alien 5 is going to come out within the next year and a half or two. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, uh, and I, you know, as we were talking about before in terms of artists or filmmakers and their, you know, they have that first film or whatever. Blumkamp has kind of had that same thing where he did District 9 and it blew everybody's socks off. And then he did Elysium and people were like, oh, okay, uh, it's all right. They're a little bit more, they weren't quite as energetic. And then, and then he did Chap Chappie, which was a little more well-received, I'd say. It was well-received, but not critically. Uh, Ch Chappie didn't make nearly as much money as Elysium did. Elysium made over $100 million domestically. Um, Chappie, I don't even think, may broke $100 million. I don't even think it broke $70 million. It was all for all intents and purposes. I believe Chappie was a flop, but um, then again, so is Blade Runner. Yeah, true, true. Um, but uh, so again, you know, there's just there's there's a lot there's a lot happening. There's so much happening, and there's uh, so much potential for failure. But I'm an optimist, and I hope and believe that Neil Blomkamp, he's a young guy. He's not much younger than me. Um, I think he's bringing a fresh vision to this, and I think when you have people who people who are fans like jj abrams doing star wars i mean star wars again the big elephant in the room it's it's not really a reboot it's a sequel but it, for all intents and purposes it's a reboot they're trying to kind of revive this this series that really people kind of soured on after the prequels which is really what blumkamp is doing too people have soured off the alien films um so yeah yeah i I mean, as as we stated previously, you know, in our own personal conversations, just Alien 5 or whatever the hell it's going to be called, it has all of the potential in the world to be just as good, if not better, than the original two films. Yeah. But at the same time, it has so much potential to be even worse than Resurrection or AVP Requiem. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm talking, like, mockbuster status, oh. even with the uh, big names. For sure, and uh, I, I think they need to be, they have to be careful about, um, about uh, 
even Sigourney Weaver's input. I mean, Sigourney Weaver, I remember when she was doing the interviews for Resurrection, and I was 21 uh, when Resurrection came out. Um, she was like, yeah, you know, I think we crafted a really good film. And, um, she, of course, she was dead wrong. I mean, well, she the, was also the, the producer. <laughs> she was. She was. And she got a shit ton of money for it, too. And she was also the producer of Alien 3. Um, so I think it, it, it's, it's a tightrope because... Um, to allude back to the walk, uh, how'd you like that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's a tightrope because you can't be fan service. You can't service the fans. It can't just be about Marines. I, hopefully, it won't be about Marines at all. Um, hopefully, the only Marine that will be in it will be Michael Bean, which we still officially don't even know. He said yes. It looks like he's in it, but I mean that's that's nothing's official from Fox. Let's, let's just or, uh, let's just be honest here. He he hasn't done too much since the 90s and and i'm okay with that because he yeah. seems kind of reserved and everything um he's done voice acting for a couple fucking phenomenal games recently um, far cry blood dragon which is a total spoof of every 1980s trope ever uh really? he voices the main character and it's hilarious um then okay. of course he was in the shitstorm that was colonial marines that i feel bad for even mentioning but um, he was in that, and then he's done, he's done a few other things recently. But to get him back as Hicks, oh man, that'll be a dream come true. It'll be like uh, it'll be like watching Jurassic World again. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, uh, and really, it's really got to be um, an emotional. I mean, I think what I love about Alien Aliens is there was so much of Ripley's emotion in it. I mean, you really this woman has already been through so much, and here she is back at it. Um, and then she kind of attaches herself to this child. Um, there's this real kind of coming home sense for her, um, where she's kind of pseudo adopted this child because she's lost her own. Um, and yeah, I think if they're going to, and I think that's even where Alien Three was really successful. I mean, I think Alien Three, in general, is a masterpiece of a film, oh, yes. except for except for the effects. And I know I've said it over and over. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but what was so great about Ripley's character in Alien 3 was she was, when she found out that Newt died, I mean, it just pushed her backwards. I mean, it just, you could, she just performed it so well. She was heartbroken. Um, and uh, that, it, you really got to bring that back. And I, I'm hoping, I mean, it's been how many years since, it's been almost 20 years since Sigourney Weaver has played Ripley. Um, For good reason. Well, well, and actually, it's over 20 years because she hasn't played the original Ripley since... 92, um, 93. 92. Um, so you're talking 20, 22, 23 years. Um, well, 21 years. Uh, 22 years, something like that. Um, so I, I think she's really going to have to reconnect with that Ripley. And I don't... That's going to be a tough thing for her to do. She's an actress, of course, and she's an incredible one. And I believe that she can do it. Um, but it's weird, too, because... Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the photos of... Uh, there's some leaked photos of um, Carrie Fisher in costume oh, for The Force Awakens. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> no, I mean, and I tell you what, and I think I bet money that they were uh, leaked on purpose by Lucasfilm or by Bad Robot, which is J.J. Abrams' um, production company. Um, and she, uh, Carrie Fisher, she looks kind of... Like she's a deer in headlights, and it looks like a costume photo, but her arm's kind of weird, and she's kind of standing up, but she's kind of not standing up straight. 
And the woman's 57. She's not very old whatsoever. She's about the same age as Madonna. Um, and she looked like she's 70 in the picture. But it's very blurry, too. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, oh, no. But, again, Sigourney Weaver is 65, who arguably looks way better than Carrie Fisher does. As if there's, uh, like, a contest. I know. And there isn't a contest. But there's the reality. I, and I'm saying all this because there's the reality that uh, when we see Ripley again, she will not look the same. And people are going to have to be okay with that. And people are going to have to get used to that. That we're going to see a Ripley running around at 65 years old, 66 years old, actually, um, and, uh, running around from aliens. And, you know, but if it's well done and it's well played and it's well explained, that's not going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> even with Hicks, I mean, this is going to have to be. This is going to be like, you know, jumping through hoops essentially for them because they have to bring 30 years of acting back to the present. Mm-hmm. And it might be it might be a daunting task for them. I mean, I haven't I haven't disliked any major role that Michael Bean has starred in. And obviously, you know, I can I can forgive Sigourney for Alien Resurrection and Galaxy Quest and films of that nature. But, you know, she's she's just so by by the book and classical and she just kicks ass at it and I love it. She does. She does. And then of course there's you know Michael Bean who's the badass, Kyle Reese, Lieutenant Coffee, Hicks, you know, amongst others, his role in Desperado, can't remember which one. Abyss, the Abyss, he was amazing in the oh, Abyss. Oh yeah, Lieutenant Coffee. As the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um for sure. So I mean I I really think that he can he can pull it off. And as far as Newt goes, if if they leave Newt out of it, I'm okay with that. And do you want to know why? Because why? Alien Identity is this new fan film that's coming out. And I'm sure you've heard about it. We are working on getting an interview with them, I imagine. And Yes, I'm working on getting an interview with them, for sure. Very awesome. Interesting stuff. And to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I'm not very interested in fan films just because most of the time they're kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> um, and, or they're just pedestrian and they're not professional. But um, Neville Page, who did some of the creature design for Prometheus, has been, take, has been hired on this fan film as a creature consultant, which I don't even know how it happened. But we are setting it up. Uh, we're setting it up, uh, or we are setting up an interview with um, some of the filmmakers behind Alien Identity, and I can't wait to hear what they have to say. It's going to be awesome. There. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too, because uh, it I, it's going to take place in between like one or two decades after James Cameron's Alien canon. So it'll be pretty interesting because Newt's going to be alive, and I know in the comic books, um, the one the Dark Horse comic books that came out in the '90s. Um, initially, it had Hicks and Newt um, just fighting aliens in space, and then eventually Ripley reprised her role very briefly. But it wasn't really Ripley, and it's just really complicated. But this came out before Alien 3 did, so they had to change the names in the subsequent releases of those comics. It went from uh, Hicks and Newt to Wilkes and Billy. And uh, that was one of the most controversial things I think uh, Dark Horse did for the comics. But it really, um, it really brought things 
uh, to a new light because it showed a possible future of, you know, Hicks and Newt post-alien, uh, post-aliens, excuse me. And I think, um, I think both Alien 5 or Bloomcamp's Alien or whatever you want to call it and Alien Identity have, uh, a lot of potential to capture that magic. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, there is, there's, and there's so much talent, and, uh, I, I think, um, really it's all about the story, it's all about the script, I know we, we've discussed Blade Runner before, and we're eventually gonna need to just, uh, talk about, do a full episode, off-topic, but it really is kind of related to Alien, about The off-world episode. Yes, totally. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's also a Blade Runner sequel in the, in the yes, works. Yes, I'm very um, excited for that. Me, me too, and I know the big thing for that, and, and really the big thing for most films, is story. You have to get the story right. And oftentimes, too, what you what happens in films is you could go and watch a really great film, but if they don't land that ending, you walk out of the film like that was garbage, you know? Um, and so, uh, you... That's, I, I, Blumkamp's Alien has to, has to uh, get the landing right. Um, it's gotta, it's gotta be believable. And right now, and I know we've discussed this before at times here and there. I, I really, aside from my only idea about, um, they're probably gonna end up once they board that Sulaco at the end of Aliens. What I would imagine is the company's gonna take, you're, it's gonna be some type of flashback from that period, um, and you're gonna see the company taking over the ship, and rerouting that ship to some base somewhere, and shutting and keeping keeping Ripley, Newt, Hicks, and Bishop on, in cryosleep for years and say, you know what, no, they are a threat to who we are. They are a threat to who we are, and we're going to shut them down. And then all of a sudden, somehow, they get woken up, and they've aged because it's years later or whatever, or maybe something went wrong in cryosleep. That's the only, like, kind of beginning that I could possibly imagine happening that would be plausible that's like, okay, I buy this, you know? Aside from that, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. I mean, it's interesting, though, because Ridley is going to be the executive producer on the film, so that makes me wonder if they're going to go more towards uh, the alien vibe and theme as far as the story and visuals go. More of the uh, back-to-the-roots approach, which Alien 3, uh, for all intents and purposes, achieved. It did. It really did it. Um, but I, I even imagine, like, in Blomkamp's Alien, if somehow Hicks and Newt, or I'm sorry, Hicks and Ripley, and maybe Newt, whatever they do with her, um, are woken up, and he, maybe even uh, Bishop in some way, even the you know the the tattered body of Bishop the android, um, them kind of waking up in this cavernous space on a planet or at a at some type of facility that Wayland yutani owns and it's and it's abandoned and they're like where are we i thought we were in this ship you know and it's very empty and hollow and that kind of those sounds that we hear from alien or alien 3 that are very just to make you feel like you're in this vast space like oh just thinking about that that gets me excited that gets you know? me excited and i think one of the things that gets me so excited about blade runner 2 is the possibility that ryan gosling is signing on for it Oh yeah. Like, can oh, yeah. can we just take a moment to appreciate Ryan Gosling? Like Yeah. <laughs> the the man knows his shit. Um He does. He's an incredible actor who's been nominated two or three times for an Academy Award. He's of course, yes, he's very good looking, and I think guys kinda are put off by that because he's good looking, but he's a good actor. He's like Paul Newman who was extremely good looking. 
an incredible actor. Um, Steve McQueen. Many, many, many. Steve McQueen. Um, what's his name for from Apocalypse Now? Bruce Willis. Oh my God, I can't. No, no, he was not in Apocalypse Now. Oh, Apocalypse oh, uh, Now. Robert Redford. No, no, no. Oh, we're getting close. I cannot believe his name is slipping for me. Someone probably post a, post a. Um, yeah, here's looking at you, Aaron. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, there's a lot of great-looking people who are great actors. More than just great actors, who are incredible Press actors. Pratt. I even think Tom. I even think Tom Cruise is an incredible actor in certain roles. Um, not every role, but I think he's an underrated actor. But I, I have no doubt in my mind. There's a charisma about uh, um, Gosling that I see in that the same kind of charisma I saw in a younger Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. So much of that cool guy persona that you see, you know, from guys like Harrison Ford and Tom Selleck and all those big guys from the 80s and all that, he just oozes that, especially in films like Drive, you know. He doesn't say too much, but at the same time, he says a shit ton. You just look at the guy and, and you know. He's he's no games. And that's why I think yeah. um, he would be a perfect uh, counterpart to the original Deckard. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to have to get more, again, we're going to have to devote a, uh, an upcoming episode to, uh, of course, Blade Runner, but the uh, the um, the possibility of a Blade Runner sequel. I mean, I don't think that there's a Blade Runner podcast anywhere. We're probably going to be the only ones really talking about it in any kind of unofficial official capacity um, in terms of podcasts. So I, I, there's so much to, to mine in that territory. Uh, and of course, it is by Ridley Scott. There are some connections to Alien, so it's all in the family, you know. Oh yes, yes. Um, I'm so excited for that. Um, and then there's Prometheus 2, which is on the horizon. Yeah. Um, Shooting next year. I think that's the only thing we really know for sure. We don't know when uh, Blumkamp's Alien is shooting. We would imagine it's probably sometime this fall. We're not for sure. We don't know. We haven't heard anything from them. We probably will soon, though. It's um, just interesting to consider just how little gets leaked from these films. I mean, they have to have airtight non-disclosure agreements. Like, basically, too, like... We will come to your house and kill you if you even so much as breathe yeah. anything. But look at Star Wars, though. Look at The Force Awakens. I mean, look how much airtight security there was with that. And there's shit leaking all over. So I would imagine soon enough we're going to find out um, what's happening with uh, Fox and Blumkamp, Blumkamp's Alien. Um, I mean, the man's excited to make the film. I know that because he's, you know, he, he was religiously posting concept art. And he's like, well, I don't think we're going to be doing this anymore. And then literally he turns around and he's like, yes, I am making Alien 5. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I'm sure, um, everybody's dream. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, and really this is the film that he's got to get right um, because people have kind of waned. Like, I... I uh, uh, there's a guy named John Campia, and John Campia is the host of AMC uh, Movie News. He actually he was. He's just left the show for something else. Um, but I he had this 15-minute Q&A, and he said, ask me any question, and I'll answer it. And I wrote, I said, what do you think about Neil Blomkamp directing uh, the next Alien film? And he writes back, he goes, I, uh, I've lost a lot of faith in Blomkamp. And I read that, and I thought, you know, I can understand that. I can understand why. You know, um, 
Um, but at the same time, I also want to give Blomkamp a break because it's hard being an artist when you have a, a crowd. Most, I think, uh, as, as an artist myself, a photographer, a creator, um, a filmmaker, I do these things for me. And we just discussed this earlier, but when you stop doing things for you and you're doing it for your crowd or you have a crowd that's waiting, um, it's a tough job. Um, so I don't know if uh, so much if Blomkamp has lost his sensibilities as maybe he's just telling stories that some people are just not interested in as much. You and, know? and to kind of go back to uh, Blomkamp, I think part of the reason why District 9 succeeded and was such just a runaway success was uh, because it was supposed to be a Halo film based on the Halo video games. And uh, Peter Jackson's name was tied to it. And there's obviously the Weta Studio Effects, um, who, who may or may not be doing special effects for Alien 5. It'll be interesting. Um, you mean Weta? Yeah. Or, yeah, or, yeah, whatever yeah. you call it. Um, I mean, it just had phenomenal special effects. And... You know, nobody really knew anything about it. I mean, I didn't even hear about it until after it came out. You know, somebody's like, yeah, I mean, I saw the trailer for it. It looked kind of cool, but damn, was it good. And it's just kind of something like that. I mean, minimally advertised, you know, yes. whatever. You know, big budget, low budget film, per se. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if he can just capture some of that runaway success once again with Alien yep. 5. And I think key for him is going to be talking to people like James Cameron, um, who's really, really smart. He's a really smart filmmaker, despite some kind of unoriginality coming from James Cameron in terms of the basics of his stories. Uh, he's a smart guy, and I think uh, Blumkamp will be... It will be in his best interest, in the best interest of the studio, in the best interest of the fans, to say, hey man, how do I get this right? Because Blumkamp obviously has his own ideas for his own story, and Fox said, yes, we like your idea, and we want to go with what you want to do, which is great. Um, but even if a studio is confident in a picture, doesn't mean the picture is good. I mean, they were confident in Prometheus. I mean, Prometheus made a lot of money. It made over $426 million. That's a boatload of money. I mean, that's, almost, that's half a billion dollars, almost. Um, it was a profitable film, for sure. Um, but it wasn't a satisfying film. Commercially and successful, think, but maybe not critically. Yes. Yes. Mm. And I think, uh, which is funny, though, because when it was released, um, Richard Roper and, uh, what's his name, Ebert, Roger Ebert, they just loved it. And they gave it, like, four stars, saying it's awesome, classic, classic like, sci-fi. And I'm like, did they see the same film that I did? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, again, there's... there's so much to kind of anticipate, and I, I'm just waiting with bated breath for something to drop from Fox or somewhere about this film um, so we can have our next episode or whatever, whatever episode, we can just digest it all and see what they have to say. Because I would imagine, like, right now, you know, there's probably rooms uh, full of artists and uh, concept artists and sculptors, and they're working on it all, and, you know, and they're working on costumes and sets, and it's just exciting stuff, and I can't wait to see it. It is incredibly exciting, and, you know, it's, as, as I've said before, you know, 2015 to 2016, that's going to be the year of the geek. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. It's going to be amazing. We have so much great stuff coming out. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's a great time to just be a fan of anything, essentially. Yeah, it is. Um, which I think we should kind of leave this episode of the podcast talking about a great character from the Alien trilogy, from the Alien series. Save um, the best for last, baby. The best for last, yeah. And uh, that is Vasquez. And many of you saw the, the 
picture that I posted with kind of my little ode to Vasquez, and I just think she's badass. And uh, I think I think of, when I think about aliens, I think about two people. Um, I think about Ripley, and I think about Vasquez. And Vasquez and, and uh, Ripley are polar opposites in many ways. Their only commonality is that they're women. Um, they approach things differently, but they're both strong. But at the same time, Vasquez, Jeanette Goldstein, Jeanette Goldstein, she played Vasquez in a really, in a way where you saw this sensitivity about Vasquez when Drake gets killed. I mean, just, and then when they finally kind of come back and Ripley rescues the remaining Marines, people, they are just, they are in shock, all of them. And you can see it on their face and you can see it on Vasquez's face. Like they're just, they're in shock about what they've seen. They're terrorized. Um, and I, I just I love her character. I wish there was a film about her character. I wish there was a, an alien film, or like a, a, a recruit film about how Vasquez signed up, which was an idea that you presented. Uh, um, yeah, for those listening in, um, we 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 recorded this podcast uh, last week as it's coming out, and we we ran into some difficulties with scheduling and this and that. Uh, but but what we were mentioning to each other was that. Vasquez is just this incredible character with as much as it doesn't seem like it she has an incredible amount of depth and there's just so much about her that just speaks like make me my own film like uh, and, and as I was mentioning to Jamie as campy and as silly as it sounds you know if they were to make a film akin to Starship Troopers with you know all the Marines they're friends they grew up together they know each other they go off to war to fight the good fight and then aliens are involved and then there's that and then maybe portions of Vasquez's past that she's trying to hide and then as uh, Jamie mentioned um, maybe there's somebody on LV-426 and that the mission is personal for her yeah yeah there's just so much going on yeah and I know and in the in Aliens, there's one there's this uh, a moment where Hudson says, "This is gonna be a stand up fight, sir, or another bug hunt." Um, totally Starship Troopers. Yeah, but it's Starship Troopers was way 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 later. Starship Troopers was Starship Troopers was ten years later. Um, yeah, the um... so I think it's more Aliens than it is Starship Troopers. Uh, Starship Troopers is a riff off Aliens. Um, right, because it bears little uh, resemblance to the novel from the late fifties. Yeah, um, so aesthetically, Starship Troopers is all aliens, but it's campy, and it's not, you know, it's more like, it's like Sharknado, essentially. Um, but, I, I, so, him saying, is this going to be another, a stand-up fight or another bug hunt, alludes to the fact that they've gone out before searching for these things, um, which is a setup for this battalion of, of, you know, of friends and comrades going on these missions, you know. Um, and I think it, there's there's a great end for a story about Vasquez. Now, I can't imagine anyone else playing Vasquez but Jeanette Goldstein. Of course, Jeanette Goldstein's in, in just about in her 60s. Um, and uh, so she wouldn't be appropriate, obviously. But I, if they could get someone who looks enough like her, who's a great actress, to play Vasquez, fucking let's do it. Uh, just not Michelle Rodriguez as badass as she is. She could do it, though. She could do it, certainly. Uh, we shall see. I would not be opposed to seeing a Vasquez film if uh, Michelle Rodriguez was in it, per se. Um, 
you know, just just off the top of my head, I just can't think of anybody else who could. Um, I I know this is definitely pushing it, but uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who played, um, she was in Scott Pilgrim as Ramona Flowers, and she was also in The Thing as the main protagonist. Um, she's she's definitely got some Ripley to her, but I can totally see a Vasquez out of her. Okay, I'm, I typed in her name right now. Okay, all right. She's got the dark hair. She, for sure. I mean, if she, yeah. Um, I think it's all about, uh, I mean, certainly Vasquez, her look is so, you know. It's iconic. It's, it's, it is iconic. I mean, she's an iconic. I want to, I'm going to get a poster blown up of Vasquez. <laughs> I'm going to make my own poster and I'm going to blow it up and it's going to be in my house someday. Um, I just, how much I love her. Um, again, uh, kind of, it's, again, it's interesting what I love about Vasquez has nothing to do with her being a woman. And I, again, I think it's I, irony that these films, certainly Alien, but Aliens is like this this movie that guys love. But the best characters in the film are two women. The strongest characters in the film are the women and the girl. You know, I mean, again, that scene where Ripley is like, Hudson, she goes, this little girl survived longer on survive longer than that with no weapons and no training. Why don't you put her in charge? (laughs) Which is great. I mean, like, the people who are the survivors, the people who take charge are the the little girl and the big girls, you know? Um, And that says a lot. And uh, really, and uh, this is going to open the door for yet another episode eventually um, about kind of the women of not just sci-fi, but heroines. And Ripley and Vasquez really set that up. I mean, of course, there was I think in the first, well, no, Ripley, uh, James Cameron's Ripley was before his Sarah Connor of Terminator 2. So Ripley and Vasquez, they set the tone. I I would say Vasquez and Sarah Connor have a lot in common as well. Oh, totally, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. um, Yeah, totally. They're like, like, I mean, aside from their, uh, their, you know, one's Hispanic and one's Caucasian, they're like sisters. I mean, they're so much alike. Um, But yeah, so... That is my tip of the hat, my audible tip of the hat to Vasquez, who I think is will go down in history as one of the most badass um, people, not just women, but people, because she was written well, she was performed well, she was fully realized in all of her fears and doubts and perfections and imperfections. Yes. Yeah, just such an incredible character. Um, and she just really adds a lot to the Alien series. I would love to see a film just of her. Me too. Well, man, I think that that ends our show. What do you think? I'd say that's a wrap. Talking about grief, not this shit. All right, first assembly's in fifteen people. Shag it. Hey, Mira, who's Snow White? She's supposed to be some kind of consultant. Apparently, she saw an alien one. Whoopie fucking do. <laughs> hey, I'm impressed. Hey, Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? <laughs> oh, Vasquez. Ow. It is too bad. Oh.